do it like this. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a little, you know, a little lick in there. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah. Rob, what are you doing? Coming on the show. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with the salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary of over $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the Adventures in Angular link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hire to get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hire.com slash Adventures in Angular. Ready to master Angular? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to our classes in St. Louis or San Francisco, angularbootcamp.com. This episode is sponsored by Telerik, the makers of Kendo UI. Kendo UI integrates seamlessly with both AngularJS 1.x and 2.0. It provides everything you need to integrate with AngularJS out of the box, bindings, component configuration directives, template directives, form validation event handlers, and much more. And yet, Kendo UI tooling does not depend on AngularJS, so if you want to use it with Angular or not, that's totally up to you. You can check it out at kendoui.com. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the provider I use to host all of my creations. All the shows are hosted there, along with any other projects I come up with. Their user interface is simple and easy to use, their support is excellent, and their VPSs are backed on solid-state drives and are fast and responsive. Check them out at DigitalOcean.com. If you use the code AngularAdventures, you'll get a $10 credit. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 79 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have... Lucas Rubelke. Hello. Joe Eames. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Uh, quick shout out for Freelance Remote Comp coming up real soon and React uh, Remote Comp coming up in a few months. We also have a special guest this week, and that's Rob Wormald. Hey. If you want to introduce yourself, we haven't had you on for a month or so. Uh, I'm Rob Wormald. I, I actually work on the Angular 2 mobile team, so we have a new mobile team, and uh, I'm on that team. So we're focusing on performance and rendering speed and all sorts of fun things for Angular on mobile. Cool. So, Rob, I'll jump in here real quick if you don't mind, Chuck. Um, Do it. I really I got the guys in a headlock, and I said, look, we got to get Rob on. Angular and Redux is like my new favorite thing, and you wrote NGRX Store, which is a phenomenal library. And I've really enjoyed working with Angular 2 in a Redux style over the last couple of weeks. I apologize for being such a pain in the neck and asking you about a bajillion questions, but really, truly, like my entire way that I see data flowing through an Angular application has completely inverted to, you know, the single state tree with, you know, basically state flowing down, events flowing up. And for the sake of our listeners, could you give us kind of the thousand foot view of, of how Redux kind of works and then how it works in the context of Angular 2? So, yeah, I, I think that probably the, the bigger question to that is is actually the best place to look and kind of learn from this is React. And it's probably kind of 
bad for me to say that, right? But no, uh, I know, right? So React's kind of big, big sell is that you know data is sort of a one-way flow thing, and so uh, the React kind of pattern that everybody starts with is Flux, and Flux is a whole series of different pieces, which I'm not really well versed to explain. But that that basic idea of like you dispatch actions up and state flows down, and it means you're not modifying data and mutating data, kind of comes from React land, and. Uh, so Redux is sort of a distillation of that idea, if you like. And Flux never really made any sense to me, I don't think, when I've used it, and neither did React particularly. But I think some of the, the, the ideas are great. But Redux itself makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that it's kind of a really, really conceptually simple idea. Um, and the basic, uh, the basic sort of thousand view of it is that if you think about a reducer function, which, you know, if you had an array of numbers and you wanted to sum them up, the way a reduce function works is it will take uh, an accumulator, like the previous value and the kind of current value, and you return the new state, if you like. So uh, Redux kind of expands that for applications, and what it means is that you basically uh, you have a function which takes the current state of the application uh, and also takes an action. So you get like, I want to update something or delete something, and you do some sort of change, you update your state, and then you return the new state of your application. Um, and it means a couple of things. It means that, like, one, everything sort of changeable in your application is kept uh, very well, like, in a very focused place, right? There's only one place that, that happens, which makes it very easy to keep track of. And the other thing, then, is that if you're doing that, then it opens up a whole bunch of possibilities like undo and redo and uh, logging and dev tools and all sorts of interesting things. So I guess that there's kind of two benefits of that being that, as I said, A, it's really understandable, right? Like, you don't have changes happening all over your application. They only happen in one place. And then there's some benefits in terms of speed and, and immutability and kind of what that enables frameworks to handle uh, from there. So uh, Angular 2 uses it, or sort of if, you, if you're using that, whether it's Redux with a capital R or sort of the Redux style of doing things, if you like. Uh, and an Angular 2 application, because an Angular 2 application can take advantage of immutability, um, it enables some really big speed and sort of performance benefits, um, immutability and reactivity, which is what my library does. So you kind of get the, the benefits from a conceptual point of view, but also then there's some very concrete performance benefits of, of using a Redux-style type implementation in Angular 2. So one of the th things that's interesting is in Angular 1, it was very common to you know, pull like a data structure into your controller. You might you know, access it, you know, move it around a little bit, and then make it available to you know, be bound to your view. Whereas I found that you know, doing it in this Angular 2 Redux-style using the async pipe is I basically simply say, you know, pull this structure from, you know, this particular service, which is returning an observable. And it just basically flows down, you know, right into your templates and, and populates them. And so what's interesting is that essentially your structure or your data that you're binding to now moves even further up the chain, if you will, into a more centralized location that's much, much simpler to reason instead of having these little pockets of, you know, kind of mutable data that you're working with. And I think that's, I think that's exactly right. Um, and I think that's probably, if you're an Angular 1 dev, that'll probably be kind of the, the largest change, the largest way that you think about applications. No, the, sorry, the largest change in the way you think about applications. And obviously, like, everything that you do in Angular 1 today, you can kind of still do in Angular 2. You know, all that, like, there's not any sort of, we're not making any recommendations to say you cannot do this or this no longer works. But I guess it, it opens up some possibilities that weren't really possible in Angular in Angular 1, being able to do things. And, and I guess I should say that 
Redux as an idea is about immutability. And then that works just fine. Like you can plug Redux into Angular 1 pretty well. And that, you know, there, there's a bunch of people, uh, Gerald Sons done some really good work on that. He's got a really good blog post on Redux and Angular 2. And so that's Redux kind of as an immutable idea, meaning that, you know, every time you change your state, you're going to get a new copy of the state, a new reference, which Angular can do a sort of a much faster check against. And that speeds things up. But Angular 2 specifically, if you go kind of one level beyond that, and that's where you take the Redux sort of type idea, and then you wrap that or provide that with uh, an observable, meaning that the, the actual store is pushing data out to your view, then you've got a further performance benefit that you can actually turn off change detection. And it means that your data is telling Angular, hey, I have changed, rather than Angular checking your data. So the, the check step is much faster with immutable data. but if you go kind of full reactive, then it means that you can actually turn off that detection step uh, and actually say to Angular, hey, my data has changed. Now go ahead and update the view as opposed to Angular checking to see if your data has changed. And I think that's that's quite an important difference. Um, and so I think that sort of Redux with a capital R, right, will give you the, the first step of faster data checking or faster, bind, faster binding, faster updating. But the observable way is is kind of that much better, right? It's that much faster, that much performant. Um, and I think that's a big step forward for Angular over just kind of like the, the vanilla Redux style of doing things. I kind of want to jump in and vent some frustrations about Angular 2 here. Do it. Let's hear it. Vent! So in, in Angular 1, there was a filter called the Filter Filter, which was an awesome name. And I'm pretty sure it was included in the NGWAT talk that was given last year. The Filter and Filter Filter? The, the, yeah. There's also an order by filter, which I assume anybody who's done an Angular one will be familiar with these. You have an array of data, you throw on the filter, filter, and then you could you know filter to just the elements you want. Or you throw on the order by filter, you can filter the elements you want. And everybody was ecstatic with stuff like that. And I think that the, today they still love those sorts of features because you don't think about it. You just throw this on and boom, things work. I don't have to write the filtering myself. I don't have to write the ordering myself. I just put this little thing on and it works. What nobody realized is what the performance cost was. Totally. Like checking and rerunning, you have to rerun that filter every time anything happens. And that creates this huge performance bottleneck. It only, again, browsers are so much faster than we think they are. So it only shows up in certain situations, but it was there, right? Yep. It was bad enough that I think a significant portion of people have seen performance problems in Angular. When I gave a talk, I asked how many people have seen a performance problem in Angular, a serious one, and like 20% of the hands went up, which I think is a really high number. So then in Angular 2, the performance is just unbelievably fantastic. But there is no filter. Uh, filter. It's, there are pipes now instead of filters. But there's no filter pipe and there's no order by pipe. And people might come to this and say, well, why not? And if you start digging into documentation, you quickly realize how to create your own custom pipe and you try to do one. And you go down this very dangerous road that if you don't really pay attention to the documentation and really understand some things that are going on, you can get into some very dangerous situations where either you cause a huge performance problem or else you try to implement something that doesn't work the way that you think it's going to work. Sure. The way that pipes work and they're, whether they're a pure pipe or an impure pipe, they are only evaluated at a certain time. So I love the idea and I really wish that this idea of immutable data structures and like Redux would be adopted because completely obviates this entire issue. Sure. I'll say this, like this is me as a, as a developer developing Angular applications and not as like an Angular core team developer, right? Like I think that that idea of immutable data structures, right? Like 
I would say that that's what you must be doing, right? As a developer today, you need to be thinking that way. Um, as a core dev, right? And like as an Angular core developer, it's like, well, you know, it would be better to think that way. And, but we'll certainly let you think about it the old way. And I think a lot of this is like at the end of the day that we on the core team, like the, the goal is it has to be fast at the core, right? Like right. adding on a, a filter filter is something that can be sugared on later. And, you know, there is no doubt in my mind whether we implement it or one of the amazing community members, you know, will implement, I'm sure, like a set of pipes that will that will do this very well. I think that that kind of thing will, will kind of come. And I think that, but again, it's like we have to sort of, what, what we don't want to do is like, make angular 2 easier at the expense of performance if that makes sense right like right. that is that basic like the basic tenant is make it fast and sugaring is easy on top of that um, yeah, there's a significant difference between angular 1 and 2 angular 1 was easy at the expense of performance angular 2 is not yes. quite as easy as angular 1 i would i would say that yeah i think that like conceptually but, like there are a lot less surface area right like we have components yes. and services but there are certainly some you have to know a little bit more sometimes of what's going on and i think immutability yeah. is, is a very very good example of that right like you need to be aware of it's less forgiving i would say and that's and the, the way the way we describe it is it's more explicit right where we would sort of say eh, don't worry about the binding because we'll check it or, you know, don't worry about your filter. You can run it 10,000 times in a second. That's fine. I think that kind of across the framework, you'll see that idea of like, okay, it's a little bit less forgiving, but that sort of, you know, it gives that trade-off of, of much greater performance kind of from the beginning. Right. Well, my statement that Angular 1 is easier was actually, you know, it's only from a certain perspective, but that idea that just don't worry about it. It's handled, sure. right? That is much and easier. You see the same thing in template bindings, right? Like in Angular 1, you could have a, a an undefined object and bind your property that. And Angular 1 just wouldn't complain about it, right? Whereas Angular 2, it will complain, which is frustrating sometimes, right? You have to use the Elvis operator or kind of think a little bit more about how you're handling it. Mm -hmm. um, but again, there is, there's a reason for that. And the reason that is, is typical performance, right? So That's an interesting question because, or a conversation, is on one hand, do you enable people to do things that are potentially detrimental for the sake of, of being easy. So Angular 1, you would just bind to all the things and you didn't really have to think about it until it just stopped working. Where with Angular 2, we are enforcing, you know, kind of some sensible best practices that we've learned from, you know, other communities. One, you know, immutable data structures, you know, reactive workflows and different things. But there's a bit of a learning curve. And so well, be careful there because it's not like Angular 1 is enforcing these things. It's just saying, is Angular 1 now will work with those things and be awesome and foot fast. Sorry, Angular 2 will be saying Angular 1. Angular 2 is not enforcing these things like immutable data structures. Right, but the sugar, you're getting a lot less sugar. So, for instance, yes. you're not getting the pipe pipes. You're not getting these, you know, 42,000, you know, built-in directives that, you know, you just sprinkle your, your DOM with and you're good to go. Is that the framework, I think it's twice as powerful with half the footprint because... It's leveraging a lot of, you know, basically the native DOM events, for instance, that you bind directly to those. There's a lot of things that they've just, you know, kind of pruned off that you can go back in and build. But for instance, where is the filter filter? Well, that's not there because they're basically forfeiting that for the sake of performance. And if you want, you can put it back. But there is that learning curve where somebody from 1X is going to be like, hey, what happened to my filter filter? Then they got to go dig in and they realize like, oh, like I actually need to write this myself. Mm -hmm. So you got that trade-off where you got a ton of sugar in Angular 1 and, you know, it was really easy to get up and running. But, you know, eventually, and Rob and I have seen it, I'm sure everyone, where you show up at, you know, some enterprise and they 
use that sugar in the worst possible way. And it's like, all right, just burn the thing down. Let's start over. You know, you don't store state in events and, you know, and you don't whatever. And where with Angular 2, you have a lot less sugar to kind of, you know, hang yourself with. And burnt sugar smells horrible. Oh, man, it's the worst. <laughs> idea. So for anybody that's listening that is, like, curious specifically about the uh, filter, filter that doesn't exist as a pipe or the order by filter that doesn't exist in a pipe, just so that they know, the way to handle this is in your component, you handle your filtering and your ordering yourself. And that way you're only refiltering and reordering when the data changes. So you have to handle it yourself. But then your performance is, you know, skyrocketed a gazillion times higher than it was with Angular 1. And I mean, you could you could write a filter pipe, like a filter pipe, a filter filter pipe. And, filter that, pipe, filter. and again, it's like the, the problem becomes, right, you kind of have two options here. You can write a filter filter pipe, which works with immutable data, right? So it's not right. going to run unless your object or your you know, array of reference changes. And that's perfectly performant, and that's perfectly fine, and it'll work, and it's not going to give you change detection errors. But you have to then, you sort of have two cases where we have to say, okay, this is the way it works if you're doing it immutably, and this is the way it's going to work if you're not going to do that, right? So the difference right. being, like, change the array versus push to the array. So it kind of it kind of snowballs quickly if we if we provide kind of one for each use case. And I, right. I hope that you know as as kind of more people switch to Angular too, they'll sort of realize the benefits of doing things immutably. Right. And I should say like somebody's going to call me out on this if I don't say this is that immutable data in itself is actually less performant if you like, right? It's just higher memory pressure. There's a number of things that immutable data itself is not faster, right? Like it is, it is not a, a panacea to everything. But being immutable allows the framework to be faster. And that's quite a clear delineation, right? Like I don't want to say that using immutable JS or just doing things immutably is faster or better in itself. Right. It's important to note that like doing that enables the framework to be faster. And so yeah, like I think that again, like I think very quickly we'll see a library of, of awesome pipes for this, right? And I think that that's a better way to do it, right? Like, I think Angular Core will continue to be lightweight. It'll continue to sort of not dump all the things in. And like, HTTP and the router are not part of Core, right? Things that were eventually broken out of Angular 1, like the router and like touch and all these things. I think we're starting kind of with this idea of let's keep things in Core only as Core, and then you can plug in what you need, right? But if you never use the filter filter, you shouldn't have to pay the penalty for those bytes. Right. So next question. I noticed in uh, the application that I've recently completed using NGRX and, and Redux that the logic in my application just shrunk down to hardly anything. Um, Rob, you've seen it. It's basically, it's a CRUD app and I have, you know, basically this reducer that's doing, you know, like add all the items, you know, create item, update item, delete item. And it, it's a very small structure as opposed to, you know, doing it in Angular one or not in a Redux style. The question that I have is how does doing it in Redux style affect, you know, how you approach testing? And in my case, and I think the question that I have is all my logic is in my reducers. And so it's like I wrote some tests for my reducers that took like five minutes. What else is there to test? I don't know. Maybe like test my spy on my HTTP calls, but there's no logic in there. Like everything is in the reducers. And so I'm curious, doing an application, you know, in this Redux style, what do, how does that affect like the testable surface area? And generally, what do you focus on? I think the, the first thing, right, is that, as you said, because the vast majority of your logic lives in a reducer, reducers are really, really simple to test, right? Like they are pretty much pure JavaScript. There's no 
there's nothing about them that is special to Redux or Rx or NGRX or any anything you want to use, right? It's literally just a reducer function. And it's pure in the sense that like given the same inputs, it should give you the same outputs every single time. And it makes it super simple to test. There's very little mocking to do. Like you don't have to worry that part of the logic is super easy to test. And then it becomes a question of like, you know, is my component rendering as I expect it to? And then obviously Angular kind of covers that pretty well. The really interesting thing, and this is something that in, in my library that I'm going to look at kind of providing publicly, if you look at the tests of how I'm testing kind of the store code base, if you like the NGRX store code base, I'm using reactive extensions marble testing. And if you haven't looked at like RX marbles or how kind of RX marbles is this idea where you can describe an application and the way stuff flows through through observables as a series of like graphics, right? Like it's it's dots on a line. And testing that actually, like, if you can think about everything, and I, I always use the term, which I stole from Andre Saltz, like, everything is a stream, right? And if you can think about everything you do in your application as stream, right? So a stream of inputs gets changed into a stream of requests, which gets changed into a stream of state changes. That kind of thing is really, really interesting to test. And it's actually almost, and I'm going to say this, it's going to sound strange, but it's almost fun to test stuff this way because you can write your tests graphically right like you can actually describe your application as as dots on a line and kind of how data flows um so i think it's going to open up some really interesting ideas on how we how we test applications um and obviously i'm kind of sealing my implementation right now from the rx library but i I think that overall generally things get much much easier to test and then really the hard if you like part is testing you know the your ui end and obviously angular's all been really good at that so I, i think that it will make testing kind of everything but your ui will be far, far easier than it is today. And then obviously Angular will kind of cover the the UI testing end of that, right? Like, is my component doing what I expect it to do, given data input? And so you're talking about like Protractor for like end-to-end testing? Protractor right. or even even the unit testing within the framework, right? So uh, Julie's doing some really good work on uh, sort of, we have that like what's called the test component builder, right? Where you can hand it a component and hand it some data and then be able to do assertions on like, you know, is the, is the view doing what I expect it to do? Kind of the same way you test Angular 1 apps today. But again, like you can test the vast majority of your application logic, assuming you pull that out into a Redux store, right, and actions and all these things. You can test all these parts in isolation. You can test all these, you know, that you expect that when this request goes out and you get this response back, this happens. All that stuff can be tested really, really in a nicely isolated fashion, almost without Angular being involved at all. And really, then the only Angular-specific type thing becomes like Angular components, right? Because everything is not wrapped in an Angular service. Everything is not Angular dot module, you know, create a service. Everything is just ES6 classes that you can pull into a, a test and run. So it makes it really nice and easy, right? Like uh, the so, vast majority of tests that I've written, that I've written for my library, don't use anything Angular-specific. They are just uh, just Jasmine tests, right? That just execute. It means they run headless in Node. They run really fast. It's all kind of really JavaScript as opposed to Angular JavaScript for testing, which is nice. Right. Well, we're talking about Redux, right? And you mentioned Andre Stoltz. Sure. I was wondering if you wanted to comment on his recent blog post that blew up on uh, (laughs) Reddit, uh, Hacker News, about React Redux is a a bad paradigm. Uh, Am I going to comment on that? Or your your thoughts, not judgment. I don't care about it if you want to give a judgment or don't give a judgment on what he said but your thoughts about what he said you know redux is uh, in angular 2 and he's saying hey elm and cycle that their paradigm is different than redux redux is you know redux is i don't know if it's definitely the, the best but it's probably at least right now the most accurate closest to adoption of the elm architecture for redux 
or for React, sure. excuse me, Reduxes. So it's trying its best to be Elm in React. And as far as I know, it's the most accurate one, the closest one out there. That's what Redux is. So he's saying that it's not basically saying it's not close enough. Cycle is much closer, which is an entirely different framework. And Elm is much purer, and Redux just doesn't cut it. So uh, I would say that like, the first thing is that I'm, I'm lucky enough that I get to hang out in the Egghead Slack channel where both Dan and Andre and really a ton of really smart people hang out, right? So that I, I think that the, the, the sort of drama about that was kind of overblown as, as you know, JavaScript is, it tends to be. But what? in terms of like what he, in terms of what he was <laughs> saying, I'm going right? to fight you for that. You know, JavaScript? Nah, we don't, we don't do drama at all. I would say this, that like, I really, really like what Redux does. I think that conceptually Redux is, is amazing, right? And again, like, Redux is not a new idea. And I think Dan would tell you that, that it's not new. You know, it's, it's inspired by Elm. It's inspired by, you know, like stuff from the seventies, right? You could read about other science books. Um, it's not a new concept. And I think that I would say that like, so I'm, I'm not really a React dev. I've done some React development. Redux makes a huge amount of sense to me. And like, whether it's, it's pure enough or whatever, I think is kind of moot because like Redux is like, what, 45 lines of code? Maybe it's less than a hundred lines of code anyway. And I think that the, the concept of Redux, right? Like the, the mental model of Redux, I think is the important thing. I think the implementation is, is less important, right? And that's like the, my library, NGRX is, is literally, it's, it's Redux rewritten for Rx, right? And I, I would say this, that like Redux doesn't really make any comment on anything except state management, right? Like it doesn't really cover making HTTP requests. All that stuff is kind of handled by middleware. It's all outside of Redux's kind of core idea, right? Mm-hmm. And I think um, Andre's point, and again, I'm not I'm going to paraphrase or speak for Andre, but I think having redone, if you like, Redux, redone, Redux in Rx and in, in Reactive Extensions, mm-hmm. um, I think that it's actually like it's I don't want to say it's well, I will say I think it's better done with Rx. And I think that honestly, and again, I'm like the observable fanboy in the Angular team, but I think that most things are better done with Rx, not just Redux, right? Like and, and I think probably Andre's like if you've if you've not used Cycle and you're an Angular or a React developer, like I would highly recommend it. He's got a new series up on Egghead and just from like expanding the way you think about applications a little bit cycle his framework is amazing and i and honestly like a lot of the stuff that we're going to be moving into uh angular's kind of reactive stuff for me is hugely inspired by what andre is doing i think that the way he thinks about applications is really really interesting and so i think like it's kind of this idea of like can you compare uh you know framework versus a library and people talk about you know react being a library and you talk about you know angular being a framework redux is a little bit like that for me like the the idea of redux like redux is a very simple library and you kind of have to compare redux as a library with its entire ecosystem of dev tools and middleware and thunks and promises and all that kind of stuff that goes along with it versus if you like cycles kind of pure rx paradigm for me, the, the the reactive way works a lot better because the whole thing just kind of when you can think about it again, like all is a single stream of stuff. The cycle paradigm, if you like, if I don't want to say it's better or, or that Redux is inferior, but I do think that it's it's a much more streamlined way of thinking. I think it's a much more unified way of thinking about stuff. And I, that's what I like about the, the sort of cycle and reactivity and, and that sort of stuff is that everything is very much in the same kind of flow. It's You don't have to change the context of how you're thinking. Whereas like 
Redux, you've got a reducer, and then you've got a component, and then you've got to do your, you know, your get state and all that kind of stuff. To me, like there's some shifting that has to happen, and and um, you know, middleware is different than the store, is different than a reducer, and all these kind of things. You have to kind of understand all the various pieces and when things happen and how things flow. Whereas with a kind of cycle implementation or a pure reactive implementation, it's all a stream. It's all just kind of compositionally, you know, things that are sort of composed one into the other, into the other, into the other. Mm. And so, I don't know, it's hard to kind of say which is better, but I, I would say that I prefer personally um, the, the sort of reactive way. And I think I think Andre's the same. He did a really interesting, uh, he's got a really interesting repo up called uh, something like the Redux Challenge. If you go to his GitHub, you'll find it. And he kind of, it was sort of like a case of like, here's a problem to be solved. And I think that when you look at that problem, and there's things like canceling requests, and there's a number of sort of things that are quite difficult in asynchronous applications. And I think that his point of that repo is that that's far easier with reactive sort of RxJS style programming. And that I would certainly agree with, that the reactive model makes things, makes some very, very complicated things very, very simple to do. Um, more so than than sort of a React Redux kind of implementation. So yeah, I was I just wanted to sum up what you said. You're saying that you the Redux is not necessarily inferior or superior, but it is a great way to do things. But you have a s- slight preference for Redux with more RX involved. Is that? Yeah, I would say that that if you were like a uh, Redux, cons- so like lowercase Redux, if you like, right? Like the Redux idea. Is that much better in Rx? Is that a fair statement, right? Like mm-hmm. Redux is awesome, and it's that much more awesome done in a reactive style when everything kind of flows through an application in the same way. So, and Dan will tell, like, if you read Dan's docs on on Redux, one of the things he says in there is like, you can do Redux in three lines of Rx, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. there's no kind of secret about behind that that you can do the kind of Redux concepts in Rx in three lines of code. Um, Where could somebody go to f- learn about that mixing Redux and RX? Because the stuff that's out there on Redux is just Redux. The stuff that's out there that's on RX is mostly just RX. There's, isn't there a blog post by Victor Sabkin where he talks about this type of, yeah. type of thing? Victor's just done a really good blog post. Um, go to victorsabkin.com. It'll be the most recent one at the time of this podcast being published. And he talks about kind of... So in, in RX, the concept is scan. And scan is effectively RX's uh, reduce, basically. And so he he does a really good kind of implementation of like what it means and like it's really just actions scanned into state. And so his blog post is really good conceptual point of view. My library, and I hate to keep name dropping it, um, but my library is is that it's like it's Rx implemented in uh, I'm sorry it's Redux implemented in Rx. And again, it's like maybe 50 lines of code, 60 lines of code, right? It's not a complex library. And, and what's your I library called? It's uh, if you go to the it's so the org is ngrx as in Angular RX and the specific library is store so it's ngrx slash store and that's that's just like that's again that's just literally I had Dan's egghead videos open uh, and probably just re-implemented it by rewatching his videos several dozen times basically and I I, the vi- I mean the very simple difference is that instead of you getting a subscribe event from Redux and saying get state. Uh, the subscribe event in Rx and Rx implementation will deliver you the new state, and that's it's pushing it to you rather than you being told to pull it. And I think that's the the basic sort of simple difference. So yeah, read Victor's post. Gerald Sons as I said did a really good like Rx or I'm sorry Redux in Angular kind of post. And if you can compare those two approaches, you can kind of see that they're like 98% the same. The difference is that Rx is pushing data and Redux is sort of pulling data. If that makes sense. 
So I've been trying to keep a, if I wanted to go and try this out on my own, is there a good walkthrough or good code examples where I can go and either copy and paste something and tweak it or go in and actually follow some instructions to get here? So I think Gerald's post, Jared's post uh, links to a couple of good examples. Uh, my GitHub repo links to, I have a plunker, so you can just like see a to-do app in isolation, which is really nice and easy to understand. And then a couple of really cool folks in my org have done a really kind of comprehensive application with a server and, uh, you know, like a full-on reducer example. Um, and that's in the same GitHub org. Um, I think Victor's got a plunker link as well to his kind of specific implementation of this. And you'll, again, you're looking at these, you'll kind of see that they're 80, 90% the same. But yeah, like there's a there's a good couple of good plunkers out there. A couple linked from the the GitHub README on my page, and uh, Victor's post has a couple linked, and then uh, Jared Son's post has a couple of kind of I think plunkers of pure uh, RX. I'm sorry, pure Redux in Angular too. And again, the other cool thing is that like all of the amazing work that Dan and the React community have done in terms of of Redux and how to understand Redux and how that works, all that stuff pretty much applies, right? Like the only difference is what's rendering it, but the kind of the vast majority of understanding what Redux is about is the same. It's portable information. So you could watch, like, the first thing I say to anybody who's interested in this is watch Dan's Egghead series on Redux because it's how I learned to do it. Um, it's a really, really amazing series on, like, just understanding conceptually what's going on and how data flows. And I think that if you can understand conceptually what's going on, then the sort of last 10% of plugging it into your framework of choice is is very, very simple to do. And so interesting, you should actually mention, um, you know, one, I, I think, the Dan's excellent egghead series, I think that was my pick like a week ago or so. It's it's phenomenal. Is that Dan Abramoff and Andre Stoltz are actually, you know, friends and they collaborate or they, you know, they talk. We see him, you know, chatting in, you know, in the egghead, you know, Slack channel. And so there, you know, really it's not the blood feud that I think the internet would have us to believe. And I think if anything, Andre got, you know, kind of called out for just some of the rhetoric you know, that he used, like, you know, inferior, like, you know, maybe he could have chosen a better word. And I think in hindsight, you know, maybe he would admit that. With that said, it's important, I think it's Angular developers to realize that there are paradigms within these libraries. And so there is Redux, the library with a capital R, but then there's Redux, the concept, which works very well to Angular too. And, you know, with Andre Stoltz and his Cycle.js library, there's a lot of ideas that he has that we can bring back to you know to angular 2 and take those ideas and pick them up and use them and leverage them and i think that's the most important thing and so i think even having you know someone like dan who's super smart and andre who's super smart and saying this is how i do it and andre saying well no i think you should do it this way this is a better way then i think you know smart intelligent individuals will look at those arguments and then kind of filter out and find some middle ground that works best for them so personally i'm with rob is I love NGRX because it's Redux with observables. And I think it's it's a really, really good kind of balance between the two is I think Redux lower R with observables is, is really, really cool. I saw, you know, my code base for, you know, a simple master detail view just kind of shrink down to a fraction of what it was and it was much easier to reason with. And so that's the big thing is, you know, kind of the drama, internet drama side is that, you know, there's some really good ideas from really smart people that we should try to, you know, to understand and see what we can bring back to, you know, to Angular. I, I, like, I think that the best thing you could do as an Angular developer, an Angular 1 who's looking to move to Angular 2, is obviously use Angular 2, but, like, play with React, play with Rx, play with Cycle, like, learn from these people, because as, as you're saying, Lucas, like, they're smart people, and that some of these ideas, most of these ideas are very, very portable. 
And I think in a lot of cases, like out on the internet, you get this idea of, of, you know, you see posts like React versus Singular, there will be blood and things like that. And I think that in a lot of cases, that, that does everybody a disservice because being able to learn from these frameworks, keeping an open mind about what React is good at, what Redux is good at, you know, what, what Cycle is really good at. All of these things are really, really good ideas. And I think that the more that we can keep open-minded and, and learn from these things, I think the better for everybody. And I think that, again, like, as I said, you know, uh, Andre and, and Dan and all these people, like, they all talk. And, and you know, Dan has come over to my repo a couple of times and, you know, offered advice and said, this is, you know, do this or think about it this way or whatever. Um, and I think that everybody does better, right? Everybody's frameworks, everybody's code, everybody's apps will be better if we can sort of learn from each other. And right. I know that's quite like a, a touchy-feely way of saying things, right? But I think that that's, that's really important rather than getting caught up in this, like, who's going to win in 2016, right? Like, that's not really what it's about. And I don't think any of the teams who build these applications, certainly the Angular team and the React team, like, they, you know, they collaborate. Angular 2 uses React Native's renderer, right? Like, there's a lot of collaboration. And I think that in a lot of cases, like, the kind of verses can be quite overblown sometimes. So, Well, a lot of times what I hear from people who are on the edge of the community or outside of the community, they see Angular and React for surrogates for Google and Facebook. And then, <laughs> who's going to own the web? <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, so they, they want to take it all the way out to wherever it's going to go. And yeah, in reality, we're all just trying to make a better web. And I think it's worth mentioning that when you're talking about what does one do better, what does another do better, it's less about that this one's better for this type of application or that type of application, but like which framework does rendering better or how do they handle rendering and understanding that, understanding their pieces versus it's not so simple of, oh, this one's better for building these kinds of apps. This one's better for building these kinds of apps. Sure. As you know, there are libraries for Redux that do kind of specific things. So, for instance, one that I saw the other day was Reselect, which is a kind of a simple selector library for Redux that allows you to kind of um, memoize certain things and things like that. With NGRX and the sheer amount of love that I have for that library, how would somebody go about adding some of these other Redux-style ideas to your library specifically? Have you started to think about things like maybe like reselect or some of the things that exist and, and adding them and augmenting um, NGRX store? So there's a somebody actually asked this question. Um, there's a good, really good GitHub discussion, and, and Dan jumped in there and kind of talked about it. And and so there's there's a couple of ways to think about this. The first thing is that a lot of the stuff that is used directly in uh, Redux, like literally you can pull them off the shelf and use them with NGRX. The second thing is that the hard part, if you like, or the sort of complicated part of Redux, I think, is often asynchronous, right? Like dealing with making requests and then handling the response and then dealing with errors and all that kind of stuff. And all that sort of stuff is pretty much handled like out of the box with Rx, right? Like that's nothing specific to NGRX or the store library or anything like that. Like that's the reason that RxJS exists, right? Is asynchronous programming with data streams. So uh, sort of upstream from like, you know, doing stuff before you put it into the store or through the reducers, Redux really handles a huge amount of that for you. I'm sorry, Rx really handles a huge amount of that for you. Stuff like reselect, again, is generally provided by uh, RxJS operators. So things like distinct until changed and com uh, combine latest and merge and, and uh, zip. And like there are, I don't know, there are half a dozen operators that do this kind of stuff. So uh, a lot of that stuff kind of comes for free doing it with RxJS. And I, I think that one of the things that I need to be better about doing in my free time, which is getting preciously less and less and less, 
is, is to kind of do some examples of how that stuff works. And I think that that will come again, like as the community kind of gets up to speed with Rx and how all this stuff works. And obviously the Angular community is really like, in Angular 1, the community was amazing, right? Like they did a huge, huge amount of work on writing libraries and writing docs and tutorials and blogs. And like people learn Angular 1 in the community, right? And I, what I hope is that the Angular 2 community will very much pick up on that. And so stuff like, as I said, reselect and Redux and middleware and all these kinds of things, a lot of it's handled by Rx. Um, and I think a lot of that just comes down to understanding how Rx does things. Uh, for me, like it's been a pretty brain exploding six months or so of, of really getting into reactive programming. And I should, I should probably start a blog and start writing these things down rather than talking about them on podcasts kind of ad hoc. But yeah, like a lot of it's handled. And that, that's why kind of the idea of doing an RX was, was interesting to me. And it's just a question of, of being able to document it. One other thing that Dan said in that, that when he jumped in that GitHub issue was that, you know, that in a lot of cases, like we should be able to plug uh, NGRX and use kind of some of the existing uh, Redux stuff. So like uh, Redux dev tools, right, is like the coolest thing about using a Redux is you have this awesome little control panel that you can see, like you can step through data and you know undo and redo, and like it's just an amazing, amazing sort of implementation of this. Um, and he's he's assured me that like you could plug that in pretty much straight away. Um, and so that's one of the things that I will be looking to do kind of short, shortly here is see about making sure that we can make uh, kind of reactive way and kind of the off the shelf Redux stuff play nicely together. So yeah, short answer like some of it's not necessary, some of it's kind of provided by RX. Uh, some of it you could just pull from, from the Redux side of the equation and and use that. So that's the nice thing. I think that a lot, a lot of this stuff will really play nicely together, and that's kind of what I'm what I'm excited most about about Angular two in general, right? That stuff is really has to be way less like Angular specific, right? There's no dollar sign queue. There's no dollar sign interval. None of this stuff is really Angular specific anymore. So it means you're able to leverage a huge amount of off the shelf existing logic uh, and then pull it into your Angular 2 apps. Like as I said, Flux, Redux, all these things, you can pretty much plug into an Angular 2 app without very much work at all, which will be really nice. All right. So I have a very loaded question <laughs> for you. Okay. Shoot. Do you feel like the Angular team should officially embrace Redux the way that React sort of officially embraces Flux, although most people are embracing the Redux flavor of Flux. So I was I was actually at Google on Monday, and Victor and I had this this exact conversation actually about you know is it, is it worth us kind of making an official recommendation? And the short answer to that is right now, like we don't know. And I, I think that it's it's tricky because the sort of Angular, say, like when I was not an Angular team member, right? Like the part of me says absolutely yes, like the team should make a recommendation. And I think a fair part of the community wants us to make that that call, right? Like I think that there there's a portion of the community that wants us to say this is the blessed way of doing things. The the part of that is that like our blessed solution may not work for everybody. You know, it may be different than what Google uses internally. It may be different than what people would want to use externally. And so the short answer to that question is I really don't know. I don't know that we will straight away. Um, I will say that like on the mobile team, we are, uh, it's one of the things we're looking at is sort of dealing with offline and state and all these kind of really hard problems we're certainly looking at solving. I think a lot of it is that, you know, like, there's a difference between I have an Angular 1 app today that I want to upgrade to Angular 2, right? Versus I'm going to start a Greenfield Angular 2 app. And I think that given those two different scenarios, you would handle the situation differently. 
So I don't know. Uh, like one of the things that uh, Alex talked about, uh, Alex Rickabaugh on the Angular team, he wrote in a library called Tactical, and Tactical's about state management and offline management and sync, right? And so I think that probably it'll end up being like we will provide a number of sort of component services things that you could assemble uh, in in the way that you like. I don't know that we will provide a Redux. I don't know that we will say Redux or RX Redux or NGRX or whatever is is the best way to do it. But I will think I do think we will say something along the lines of like you can do it the Angular one way, but there are certainly performance benefits to doing it immutably, reactively, whatever, right? Because that's like that's an objective truth that you know an Angular one app or an Angular two app using immutable data or using reactive data will be that much faster, that much performance, that much objectively better than you know an Angular one kind of style app. So I don't know. It's it's kind of hard, and I, I I don't know that you know we we have a huge amount of work to do anyway. And I don't know that like we can own a state management library because it's never going to solve everybody's problems, right? And I think that for us, the probably the best thing we'll do is make sure that the framework can support the use cases and make those those use cases performant and easy and fast, and kind of enable the community to do the best that they can, right? Like you know the best the best REST library out there was REST Angular for Angular One, right? Like not written by the Angular team. Mm-hmm. Uh, UI router, right? Like best router, not written by the Angular team, right? Like there are a huge amount of incredibly intelligent developers working in Angular. Um, and I think that it's, it would almost do a disservice to sort of say, we're going to do it and you guys are not going to be able to do it better, right? So I, that's more than anything I'm excited to see, like as the Angular community starts to switch to Angular 2, what kind of really awesome stuff comes out of, of that community rather than I, the Angular team kind of doing it in a blessed way. I just want to hear you say that it's going to solve all my... I promise, and everybody else's as well. Definitely, absolutely, totally. And, and world hunger. <laughs> it's going to be the last JavaScript framework you will ever need. Rob, NGRX—that's your baby. That's your thing, right? Yep. Okay. Are there any problems right now with NGRX that you know of that you want to solve? Yeah, like so. I have a little bit of a roadmap up right now, and so like the the thing is, and this is this is a one. Philosoph- like philosophical point that I'm really trying to stick to, right, is that like I don't want to solve all the problems in an NGRX store, right? Like NGRX store is done as far as I'm concerned. Like that library is pretty much feature complete, and I think that somebody's going to come to me next week and say this is a terrible error and you need to fix this and whatever, right? But like I don't plan to add any more features to the, the Redux implementation because like like Dan's library, it's very 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 simple, right? But what I do want to solve, and I think that the long-term plan for that library, and I will, I will just say to your listeners that, like, please come and join our Gitter channel, right? And, like, I don't have time to do this because I'm, I'm also busy writing a framework, you know, <laughs> that, like, there's a huge amount of cool stuff that can be done with this. And so I have an offline library, like an IndexedDB, and I want to build a really awesome, uh, like, restangular type thing that sits on top of that, right? And really what I want to get to is, like, a, a suite of really small really focused little services that all play nicely with each other. And so like store itself is state management, it's Redux, but that is not the whole story of any stretch of the imagination. And all of this is like, this is my little, my little vision of this little portion of the JavaScript world. And I think that I would really like to have people's opinions on it. Like I really want more people to do stuff with it and say, this is the best way to do rest, right? This is the best way to do web sockets. This is the best way to do X, Y, and Z, right? And I think that really NGRX, and the reason that I have like a standalone org for it is that I, I hope it becomes a suite of, of kind of community-driven components that everybody can kind of participate on, right? And and little things, you can pick and choose the parts you want. Um, you know, you don't have kind of big monolithic libraries that solve too many problems at once. So it's like, I, I want to do it kind of the NPM style thing, right? We have small focused modules uh, that do. So if, if, to answer your question, like, 
the store itself, I don't think there are any problems, but I think that there are a number of other problems slash use cases to be solved yet in Angular, right? And so that's that's kind of where I'd like to see the community as a whole go, right? And not just under my org, but under their own orgs, right? Like the framework is awesome, it's really solid, but it doesn't cover, you know, there aren't there isn't a REST Angular yet. There isn't, uh, you know, there aren't some of these really awesome libraries that made the Angular one yet. Um, and so that's the kind of the problem slash outstanding stuff I'd like to be seen solved soon. Does that answer your question? Or was that evading your question? Absolutely, that was the best answer evasion. And answer I've ever had. No, that was, Excellent. that was a great answer. Yep, it's perfect. But there are more. There are more things to be done. All right. Anything else that we should ask about this before we start heading into picks? I would say that, like, so one of the, the big outstanding things, um, and I, I do a little bit, little bit of contributing to the RxJS end of this. Um, so we're using RxJS five, which is uh, a, you know, a replacement from RxJS four and RxJS three. Um, it's slightly different, and the documentation yet is is kind of is still kind of coming online for that. So a lot of people often when they jump into this, it's like, uh, where are the docs for this, right? I would say the first thing is that really a lot of the kind of RX4 and RX3 and really good examples that exist out there on the web pretty much still apply. So like if you don't find stuff for RX5 exactly, a lot of the information for RX4 really still applies. I will sort of name drop that like I've done a couple of good talks and a few, a few people have done some really good talks on RX. Like Ben Lesh has done some really good talks on RX. And so learning about like uh, reactive programming in general is, is a really good idea. The question that people often ask me is like, how do I get started? And for me, I think the answer for that is understanding what an observable is. And if you can understand what an observable is and what it gives you, then it really enables, or sorry, enables you to kind of understand the rest of what everything is doing. So uh, learn about observables, learn about Rx, um, and that will make kind of everything you do better. Um, and as I said, like cycle right now is, is probably the the purest uh, use case of, of Rx right now. And so learning Cycle, like getting how Cycle works, is a really good way to to understand kind of what will be coming down to Python Angular. But no, I don't think there's anything else to ask me about. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks then. Joe, do you have some picks for us? Oh, have I got picks? Boy, howdy. <laughs> I want to pick the TV show iZombie. Apparently there's new episodes coming back. Now they'll probably have been out, started new episodes again. It's a crime sort of procedural, a la Law and Order, except the main character is a zombie, which I think is really cool. Had a lot of fun with that. So I'm going to pick iZombie. I'm also going to pick an old, a classic old show that we've been binge-watching binge in my house recently on Netflix, and that is Malcolm in the Middle. Such a funny show, especially if you have any kids at all. It's so funny. I, I just die and I totally identify so much. It's like, it's kind of like Seinfeld, the people that are like somebody that you know, but then they're just so extreme that it just makes you laugh and think of somebody that you know that's like that. Really enjoyed that show. So those will be my picks. All right, Lucas, what about you? What are your picks? So we spent a lot of time talking about Cycle.js. And so uh, one of my picks is uh, Cycle.js Fundamentals on Egghead. It's a totally free series about Cycle. Super awesome. And my second pick is a pen that is called the Pilot G-Tech-C, gel rolling ball pen, ultra fine point. And I spent a lot of time actually writing notes down so I don't forget them. And this is probably one of the best pens that I've ever used. All right. Um, I've got a few picks to throw out there. I'll get the self-serving ones out of the way. I'm doing freelance remote conf. And uh, also related to this conversation, we're doing a React uh, remote conf. Freelance remote conf is going to be a couple weeks after this one comes out. So go get your tickets right now. And then React remote conf is coming up in May. 
So uh, check that out as well. Uh, I've got a few picks also. I'm, I'm going to be out in Amsterdam. We're going to do a live Adventures in Angular episode uh, during NG-NL, which is an Angular conference in Amsterdam. And uh, so I'm going to be out there. So if you're out there on the 17th, um, or if you want to be out there on the 17th, I'm just going to have host a little get-together, probably at some restaurant near the hotel, and uh, just see who wants to come hang out. So if you're... I'll, come, I'll come to that party, because I'll be there. So I'll come to that party. Oh, cool. That'd be fun. <laughs> so Rob will be headlining the act, and uh, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And then I had to kind of jump through some hoops to get my passport replaced, because I couldn't find it. I haven't used it in like five years. So uh, I went through RushMyPassport.com, and that worked out pretty nicely. I should be getting my passport on Monday. I mailed all of the paperwork uh, this last Monday. So uh, usually if you expedite, it takes three to five weeks, which really wouldn't work for NG-NL. But uh, yeah, they they have a system where they can kind of expedite it through the State Department, and they can get it to you in a few days. So super happy with them. And finally, I got this kind of one-legged stool, and it's it's always a joke, right? The one-legged stool. But I have a standing desk, and lately my wife's been sick, so I've been doing the mom stuff and the dad stuff, and I have just been exhausted. And so since my podcasting rig is on my standing desk, it's kind of rough to stand up for several hours during the day after I haven't slept and have been running around all day long doing kid stuff as well. So... I picked that up. It's $99 on Amazon. And uh, yeah, you can just kind of lean back on it. It showed up this morning, so I haven't had a chance to try it yet. But I'm super excited for those days when I just want to do my stuff at my standing desk without actually having to hold myself upright the entire time. So anyway, those are my picks. Rob, what are your picks? Uh, the first one, since I didn't know we could do t- TV shows, um, I recently binged watch a series on Netflix called Occupied which was a sort of 10-part series about uh, kind of Norway in the future and what would happen if they stopped producing oil and uh, really like an amazing, amazing kind of 10-part series. So definitely check that out. Uh, It's on Netflix. That's got to be scary because oil, yeah, oil is a major export for them. And the price for a barrel of oil has gone down to the point where some countries are starting to struggle like Norway. Yeah, it was it was uh, really like probably one of the best kind of TV shows I've watched in the past couple of years. I kind of cleared the whole thing in about a day and a half, so that was really good. Um, I would also uh, just to to emphasize what Luke said, like the Cycle JS fundamentals, and also the Dan's Redux sort of fundamental series. I mean, you could, those two series, if you can watch them, uh, will pretty much serve you very well if you're an Angular developer uh, going forward. And uh, the other thing would be that we have a new uh, Angular kind of mobile org. So if you there's some new uh, GitHub orgs or GitHub repos popping up on GitHub. So we have like an Angular offline repo. Uh, there's a new Angular Fire coming. So my pick is like there's a bunch of really cool stuff outside of the Angular core repo. Uh, and so watch out for that kind of stuff coming down the pipe. Sounds good. If people want to follow up with you, see what you're working on these days, what should they do? Follow me on Twitter because I'm constantly spewing interesting and brain dump stuff on Twitter. The other, I guess the other pick I should mention, like the Angular, uh, Angular 2's Gitter channel is full of some really smart people who are really, really helpful. So uh, if you have problems with Angular 2 and have questions about Angular 2, jump in that Gitter channel. That's gitter.com slash Angular slash Angular. And that's full of really helpful, really incredible community members who are doing really good work. So that's a good place to start. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on short notice, Rob. Um, yeah, no worries. Thanks we'll for having ahead. me. We'll go ahead and wrap up the show. We'll catch everyone next week. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Do you want to have conversations with the Adventures in Angular crew and their guests? Do you want to support the show? Now you can. Go to adventuresinangular.com slash forum and sign up today. 